Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. It's great that you're here, and especially to fathers, we want to say welcome. Uh, Happy Father's Day to you all. I hope you got uh, breakfast in bed, or uh, some socks, or soap on a rope, or something uh, great this morning. And we really hope that today is a great day for for you. Welcome to everybody. It's great uh, on weekends like this because there's many people that have gone back to their families and other places, but there's many people that have come back and it's great to see Dick and Anne back from holidays as well. My mother and father-in-law are here too as well. My auntie and uncle are over here from South Australia and I know you will have lots of friends as well. It's great to see uh, the Perini family here as well and it's wonderful that you're here. We just want to say welcome to everybody. And we hope after the service you'll have a chance to stay around have a coffee and be able to catch up to get to meet people. It's just been a, a month now that we've been meeting together at 10am in the one service and it's been really good, hasn't it? I think hanging around afterwards, not feeling like we have to rush for another service and it's great to be able to have a coffee together and we just want to let you know that next week is going to be a time where you can do that even more because after the service there's going to be soup and hot dog lunch so you're just going to be able to hang around after the service eat a hot dog have some soup keep talking and catch up together and just let the day linger on that sounds like a good idea doesn't it so we want you to be able to come um, next week don't worry about preparing lunch at home don't keep the roasts cooking do we still do sunday roasts everybody Uh, but that's what's happening next week We've had some uh, great news uh, overnight (laughs) that uh, Fiona and Sander Vanahouse have had a baby boy. So Samuel Jarrett is his name, 7 pounds 11, no, 7 pounds 1 ounce at 10.45 last night. So that's good. Um, So even though they're not here, let's just thank God for new life. That's great news. And uh, this week has been uh, uh, quite, quite a week. Um, on Wednesday, we gathered with, the, with Ray and his family for um, the celebration and Thanksgiving service of Mavis's life. And uh, our thoughts have been with you, Ray, this week and the family as well. Yesterday, uh, Phil and Felicia Pryor were married here in the church and having a baby born last night as well. It's all happening this week, isn't it? So, there we go. Oh, not yet. It wasn't Phil and Felicia's baby. They're not here this morning and we're thankful for that. Now, this morning, as it comes to Father's, as it is Father's Day... Uh, This is what it says about God's love for us as his children. In 1 John uh, chapter 3 and verse 1, it says this, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it does not know him. But dear friends... We are now children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And verse says that God has lavished his love on us and called us his children. And can you see how it says we will be like him when he appears? Just like a father or a son and a daughter uh, have characteristics. Uh, Because we're his children, he wants us to continue to be like him and take on his characteristics. So this Father's Day, as we just begin this service, let's give thanks that he's called us his children. God, this morning, we just thank you that you are our father and we are your children. God, thank you that you have called us to be part of your family. And God, we know that one day 
we will be like you. We will be seen to be having your characteristics and traits when we stand before you. Oh God, we thank you that in the meantime, you're making us more and more like you as we live holy lives, seeking to be obedient to you, following you as our loving Father. Thank you for this Father's Day to be reminded about that. And we thank you that we're here together, your family. Bless the time that we have in Jesus' name. Amen. Continue. Well, it's a well, it's a very special day today, being Father's Day, and we thought it would be a good opportunity for us all to get to know maybe three fathers a little bit better than we do now. So I'm going to invite three very special fathers. You're all special fathers, but these ones today we're going to just call them a bit more special. We've got Eric Moulton and Doug Rosevier and Matt Taylor. If you guys want to come and we'll join us on the couch, hey, on the lounge on a Sunday. <laughs> So, guys, you can take a seat on the nice, comfy lounge. Thank you. Every father needs a good, soft lounge to sit on. Every father needs a newspaper. Monster game. And um, we're just going to get to know these guys a little bit better today. So, guys, I know you're really tempted to read. Who is it on the front cover there? Lara Bingle is on the front cover. <laughs> Really Mason said, perfect Father's Day present. <laughs> anyway, let's start by finding out who you are and maybe what you do and a little bit about your family. So, shall we start? We better start with the eldest father here. So, um, oh. oh, sorry. <laughs> so, Eric? That's obvious, is it? <laughs> right. Well, my name's Eric Moulton, as, uh, as you know. Um, been married to Dawn for just on 53 years. We have uh, <laughs> I won't say the old gag and no time off for good behaviour, but still. <laughs> um, five daughters, uh, 13 grandchildren, two great-grandchildren. And we've got some great son-in-laws. Uh. Mm -hmm. So um, obviously, with all those children or grandchildren, you don't really have much time for work. You've um... well, we uh, we retired from work. We retired from paid work about um, ten years ago, and uh, life's pretty full. It is. Mm -hmm. And um, beside you is Matt. Would you like to tell us a bit about you? Um, I'm Matt. Um, <laughs> married to Sandra. Um, we've been married for nearly five years. And we've got Ethan, who's uh, seven months old next week. So first Father's Day. How about first we give Father's him a bit Day. of a... Yes. And then over to you, um, Doug. Yeah, I'm Doug Roseby. Um, I'm married to Sue. I have three kids. Ask him. And, <laughs> and um, I work for Vizzy. I'm the logistics coordinator down there. And how old are your children, Doug? Um, my Children are... <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Doug, I warned you. Six, six, <laughs> uh, what, 16, 13 and 10. Is that close, Sue? <laughs> <laughs> 15, 13 and 9. <laughs> <laughs> so I better not ask you when their birthdays are, Doug. <laughs> Uh, there you go. So we've got three gentlemen here that are all at different stages of life and all different stages of being fathers. Now, this is the big question that we all want to know today is, what did you get for Father's Day? Well, so far, just good wishes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Eric, look, here's some scorched peanuts so you can say you've got something. Thank you. Um, we are attending a family luncheon today. And I understand that a mitre 10 catalogue has been consulted. So I'll just leave it there. <laughs> Sounds very promising then. Okay, what about you, Matt? Uh, I got breakfast in bed and, and Ethan got me a, a storybook that I could read him. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the storybook called? 
It's, it's a, um, it's a, I think it's called My Amazing Dad. Oh. <laughs> and what about you, Doug? Um, well, I got breakfast in bed, bacon and eggs and coffee and apple juice. And um, I got um, my three favourite food groups for a present. I got uh, Coke, um, chocolate-coated sultanas and um, strawberry creams. As well as, as well as, I got a computer chair to sit on. So. There you go. So you got some fruit in there with the strawberry um, and cream. That's right. And some dairy. Well, you, I've got oh, scorch peanuts for you guys as well Thanks. because I thought scorch peanuts seem to be the thing that happened in our house for Father's Day a lot. Um, our grandparents always seem to get scorch peanuts, so I thought that would be appropriate for you, gentlemen, today. Now, um, just to get a little bit more about, no, like, an idea of what um, being a father is like for you guys, um, I'd just really like to know, um, maybe, Matt, we'll start with you being the youngest there. Um, what's been the greatest thing about being a, a, like being a dad? Um, people have stopped asking us when we're having kids, certainly. <laughs> 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 but... Um, no, it's, it's just been out, being able to come home from work and spend time with Sandra and Ethan as a bit of a family and hanging out, yeah. And what about you, Doug? The greatest great, thing great, about being a dad? greatest thing about being a dad for me is just um, having a beautiful wife. Good Which one. Me That's a good that. answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, and um, just having three... We're um, so blessed with our kids. They're just great, so... Mm. Yeah, that we've had... Um, We've always prayed that they have, have um, good friends and uh, like a good church group to hang around in, and so we've just been blessed with our kids. So they're pretty good. And Eric, over all these years of being a dad, I'm a bit playing on that a bit too much, aren't I? About <laughs> the length of time. But what's been the greatest, the greatest thing about being a dad for you? Well, I know this sounds simplistic, but just having a great family, a really great family, and uh, it's just a. Uh, a great thing to uh, when we all get together. The, uh, our, uh, our gatherings tend to be uh, fairly uh, joyous affairs and always uh, overcated for us. So. <laughs> yeah. And um, might as well stay with you, Eric. What's been the hardest thing that you've had to deal with as being a dad? Mm. Well, um, not so much when the children are younger because you have a measure of control. But when your children gain independence and to um, see them on occasions make uh, bad decisions and um, the hardest thing is not to try and rush in and fix the situation but just let them know that you're there to help them pick up the pieces. And what about you, Doug? What's been um, one of the hardest things or the difficult things about being a dad? Um... Well, the hardest thing probably for me would have been um, we lost our first child and that was, that was um, really hard because you have so much expectations of, of you know, your first baby. So that was really tough for me. But um, that was a turning point in my life where um, Sue started seeking something and so that something was God, of course. But, um, and, and I also started, that was, I look, when I became a Christian, I look back on my life and that was a turning point where, um, where I figured that if she's in heaven, then that's where I want to be. So, so that was one of the reasons why, why we... Um, I was, there's many reasons why I became a Christian, but that was one of the reasons why I um, started to seek out the meaning of life. Mm. So, yeah. It would have been a tough time. Mm. And um, what about you, Matt? Seven um, months? It's been tough. Um. <laughs> <laughs> No, Ethan's been pretty good. Um, we've been fortunate enough. He's been pretty cash. So Is he kicking the footy yet? Trying. Yeah. Um, no, but I guess the toughest bit was just adjusting, um, getting up a couple of times a night on a few occasions. And um, where's yeah. Sandra? Is that right? Did he get up? <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, we've we've had it pretty good. But it's just the adjustment you've got to sort of make. You can usually, without kids, do whatever you. Want want at a drop of a hat, but now you've sort of got to take Ethan with you, so. Yeah, I don't think he's quite ready to be left at home <laughs> at the moment. Um, I've been studying the Old Testament in Bible study on Friday morning here, and um, I've been reading about Solomon and um, how he 
um, asked God for something he needed. Like when he became king, he asked him if he could have something. And I thought, thinking of being a dad, and thought I'd ask you guys, what's the one thing if you could ask God to give you to help you be a better father or um, to help you as a father, what would it be? So um, maybe Doug will start with you this time. Yep. Um, if there's one thing I'm always asking of God, it's to give me patience to deal with situations because I tend to be, I don't know, you guys might find it hard to believe, but sometimes I'm going to be a bit of a hothead. <laughs> and, um, um, and so I, I tend to overreact slightly to situations and it's usually the calm one of the family. But um, so it'd be, I could ask God to I'd have patience and, um, and just be able to understand the situation and just deal with it in a godly way. And that's what I'd, that's what I'd ask God for. Well, that's what I'd ask God for. What about you, Matt? Um, I think it's just, as sort of Doug was saying, um, a bit of wisdom in um, knowing how to be a good parent, but then um, knowing when to cut him a bit of slack. Um, doesn't do too much at the moment, but um, <laughs> I can, yeah, if he's anything like his uncle, um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it could be a little hard to contain. Yeah, yeah. And what about you, Eric? Well, I'm with uh, Solomon, uh, wisdom is the one that I'd ask for. <laughs> wisdom I'm still and, asking for that. Yeah, wisdom <laughs> and a discerning heart <laughs> was what Solomon asked for, and um, I just I sat there thinking, wow, what a great thing to ask for. And especially as a parent, um, they're things that I think we all wish our kids came with a little monitor on their heads that said, I'm telling a lie or um, something like that. So they're all great. Now, just one last question, guys. Um, if I was to get your kids up here now, what, how would they describe you? So, you know, um, maybe, Matt, you, I'm sure you've got a lot to share with us. Oh, yeah, no, he's, Ethan's pretty articulate. He, um, <laughs> he's, um, yeah, I'm, they'd probably say thanks for letting me watch the footy and um, changing my nappies and feeding me and go to the, go to the hawks, down with the swans. <laughs> and uh, what about you, Eric? What would your children say about you? How would they describe you? Um going to be a bit like a politician here and say so you'll have to ask them that question. But, uh, um, but um, I, I would hope if you ask one of them, and I, I think I've seen one around here this morning somewhere, uh, um, that uh, I was trustworthy. So, yeah, I can be trusted. It's a good thing to know. And what about you, Doug? Um, well... I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I'm probably the greatest dad they've ever had. <laughs> there you go. So nothing about you being grumpy or hot-headed? Or... No, no, the greatest dad in the world. I could also be the worst dad, I suppose. Well, we've got a bit of a treat for you guys today. Um, we've actually asked your family, to, your children, to actually tell us what you really like. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'd like to first of all start off by starting at the youngest. Ethan, as we've already said, he's a very intelligent young man. And Sandra, would you like to bring Ethan up for us? And um, Sandra, as you know, is a very good interpreter of Ethan. Um, and she just wants to let you know what Ethan thinks about you as his dad. <laughs> Everyone's going to go, ah. Earlier on this morning, Matt, Ethan said, my dad is the best dad. He helps me out with everything. When he comes home, he scoops me up and kisses me with his prickly face. <laughs> He's so big, I only come up to his knee. He even gets up at night with me so mum can sleep and he holds me nice and tight. He's very smart and he knows a lot. My dad eats a lot of hot chips and coke, but I just drink milk. <laughs> he loves footy and he's made me promise to barrack for the Hawks or I'll get in trouble. He also loves God, my mum and me very much, so I reckon I'm the luckiest boy to have such a wonderful dad. Oh. Oh. 
<laughs> Thank you, Sandra. Now, Doug, your kids actually emailed me um, what they'd like to say. I couldn't convince them to come up here this morning. They love you dearly, but they don't love you quite that much. <laughs> no, that's not true, is it? No, no. Okay. Things I like about Dad. He's caring and loving. He enjoys watching me play sport and cares as much, much about it as I do. While sometimes he can be a bit of a grump, most of the time he isn't. Being grumping is, is usually mum's job in our family. <laughs> That's why, Sue, they, he wouldn't let you read it. <laughs> he lets me get away with lots more things than mum does <laughs> and usually joins in when I, I'm teasing her about something. I love my dad because he's always there for me um, in good times and bad times, whether he's encouraging me or helping me get back on my feet when and if I fall. He has a positive attitude towards everything in life. Dad, you are a, have a good Father's Day. I love you lots from Ash. So that's one. Look, we've got all three that have done something which is lovely. Um, I think the world of Dad, because we wouldn't be um, here with our house and our car if he didn't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I like most about my dad is that he's loving and kind and also, I like sitting up on the couch with him and just having a nice chat. I can't wait to be old enough to get a motorbike licence and go for heaps of rides with him. <laughs> He's always there to comfort me when I'm feeling down, and I thank him for that. My dad and I didn't used to get along really well, but when I began to grow up, I realised how much he loves me, and I wouldn't trade him for the world. I love you, Dad, from Lacey. And lucky last... I love how you take me to basketball and watch me play. I love how you buy me good birthday presents. Um, I don't know what I'll do without you. I love you, Dad. Hope you have a good Father's Day from Taylor. Aren't they beautiful words to hear from your kids? And I know I'm running out of time, but we can't leave Eric out. We've actually got um, Annie, who is leading us this morning in our worship. <laughs> She's just got some words to say about you, Eric. It's all good, believe me. You know, my dad has been fantastic. He grew up in a house of six women. Now, you know, you've got to take your, your hat off to him for that alone, that he was the only guy out of six. <laughs> but when we were little, we used to always go on incredible holidays. Where they, Mum and Dad always used to take us on outback holidays and places. And I remember this. I'm going to tell a story here because there was one particular night we had a bush camp and we were on the dirt road to Alice Springs and Dad set up the, the camp and then four little girls had to go to the toilet. And Dad said, just go into the bush. So off we trot. And he says, oh, and look out for the deadly bottom snakes. <laughs> now, you can just imagine four little girls then just didn't want to go. because. <laughs> so Dad's always had a really wonderful sense of humour. <laughs> but in all seriousness, he has been the best dad ever. I can't ever think of any time where he's even been angry with us he, he might be you know a bit short-tempered sometimes but you know he's just been there for us supporting us for all us girls and I know Ros would agree with me there that you know he's just been the best dad ever and we totally love you dad and thank you thank for you, being dear. you well thank you very much guys for sharing a little bit of your life with us and uh, sharing us about being a dad and I really want to wish you a really happy Father's Day. And to every other dad out there, I just want to wish you a happy Father's Day as well. Why don't we just pray before the guys leave the stage. <coughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for giving us these individual men on the couch here. Thank you for their love for you. And thank you for the way that they are striving to be the best dads that they can be. And just seeking you to strengthen them when they need it, Lord. Thank you for every other father that is in this place here today. And we just really pray that um, today will be a day where they can be um, encouraged and really made special. And that um, as we go through this service, that you'll remind us of the great father that you are, the example that we are to follow, of showing love to our children as you love us, Lord. We pray for um, people today who don't have a father with them. 
whether that's because they have um, passed away or whether they've just never known their fathers, Lord. We just really pray that um, you will be um, with them today, that you would be their heavenly father, that they can um, rely on and just spend time with today, Lord. We um, thank you for those fathers who just um, love their children unconditionally. And we just pray that you'll strengthen them each day as they do that, Lord. We pray for the fathers that maybe struggle to love their kids or struggle with life in general, Lord. And we just pray that um, you will be the person they lean on. You will be the, the one that they call out to for guidance and strength, for wisdom and discernment, Lord. We just um, pray that you will forgive them for the things that they've done wrong and that they would be able to forgive themselves and that they would reconcile their relationships, Lord, um, throughout the day. There is no better day than today than to mend a broken family, Lord. And um, we just want to give all praise and all thanks to you, our Heavenly Father, today. And, um, yeah, just commit the rest of this service to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, guys. You can take a seat. wonder about... Um you know, how, how I might have known that my dad loved me. I think there's a couple of times when I really uh, knew that looking back, he had my little heart in his hands, you know. Didn't realise it at the time, but he could have really hurt me uh, in different ways. And yet I remember a couple of significant times when he really showed his love for me. Uh, one was in Year nine, when I was walking in between a breezeway and our year level coordinator said to me, Jonathan, you're failing every subject. Not even a miracle from God will get you through. It was not a Christian school. But they said, you know, we're not going to put you up at the end of the year. And the year eights deserve to have a go at year nine before the year nines get to repeat it. And so they said, you're failing. I remember having to go home and to tell my parents that their son uh, had just been told by the year the level coordinator that I was failing every subject. I remember, as I look back, that Dad never once made me feel like a failure. He always uh, tried to listen and understand and help me through these things. And he sort of treated me like I was someone who could pass subjects. <laughs> you know, he didn't treat me like a failure. He f forgave me for... for failing and he loved me and never doubted his love through those times. Um, another time I can remember is being at AMP and working uh, part-time doing marketing at, at night doing that and my dad is a chartered accountant and everything's done properly for chartered accountants if you know that. He's not a chartered accountant anymore but he was and he really felt strongly that I should complete my marketing uh, diploma before going to Bible college when I really felt that that's what God was doing. And I remember having a discussion with him and he said, well, Jonathan, you know, I know you uh, want to do this, but I, uh, if you sense this is what God's calling you to do, this is what I think, but if this is what you want to do, you go, you go for it. He gave me a, his wisdom but he didn't force me to think just the way he did. And so I knew that he would love me even if I didn't take his advice on that time. When I think about God, you know, boy, our fathers fail us in so many different ways and my dad wasn't perfect. But I see that God has lavished his love on us in two important ways. One is when we have failed him, sinned against him, turn our backs on him, blown it in our life. He comes along and says, it's all right. I forgive you. I forgive you. I want to make it all right again for you. The only reason he can do that is because he sacrificed his own son on the cross. He loves us so much that he didn't withhold his own son so that we could be forgiven. 
and we could know the full extent of his love. And the second thing that he does is he has lavished his love upon us in giving us a choice. He doesn't force us. He doesn't uh, treat us uh, like we can't make our own decision. But he lovingly gives his son for us and offers forgiveness and new life if we will just say yes. This morning, as we gather around this table, this is for you who have acknowledged that God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sin. For you who have said, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you, God, for forgiving me through his death. And it's for you who have made a choice to call God your father, to be his children, because you've acknowledged his lavish love poured out on you. As we come to share this meal, uh, the bread represents his body, the, the, the cup represents his blood that was shed. And as we come to share it, Aaron, who's a, a deacon in our church, just newly elected deacon in our church, is going to lead us in prayer. So thanks, Aaron. Let's pray. Oh, dear Lord, as, we, um, as today we remember uh, Father's Day and the parents that you've given us, Lord, and um, the role that they've played in our life, Lord, uh, what a great day and what a great cause of celebration we have when we come to your table, when we can uh, remember you as our true Heavenly Father, Lord, as um, our God, as, as our Father who has always been there for us and has always long to be in relationship with us. And Lord, we, we come to you today and we want to thank you for your son and uh, the sacrifice that Jesus made for each of us. Lord, that, that his broken body uh, there on the cross, Lord, that the blood that, uh, that shed was for each of us, Lord. And that's um, an act of love from a father to a child to us, Lord, that we can never and will never fully comprehend when we think about um, the burden that was placed on your son at that time. And Lord, so we come here as we um, take uh, the, the drink, the, the wine, the juice that represents Jesus' blood and the bread that represents his body, we come to you and we want to praise you for that, Lord. Thank you for the gift that you've given us. And uh, so, Lord, we, just, we want to give you praise. Thank you for these elements. And Lord, we pray as, as we take them that we will reflect on, on this great wonder that you've done for those that can call you um, Saviour. Amen. Let's share in this meal together. And as you're served, if you would take the cup and, and just hold it and retain it, we'll drink it together to show that we're part of the family of God, those who put their trust in him. And then as we take the bread, why don't you just eat it as it's served to you, saying, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Let's share in this meal. This morning, if you don't know Jesus, just feel free to pass it by. And we just encourage you to keep... Uh, seeking to know him more and to love him more. Let's share in this meal together. Well, let's drink together, giving thanks for the Father's love that he's poured out in us through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Doug. Well, in the time that we have remaining, I just want to ask that question of what kind of father is God? Um, what, what's God really like? And, uh, you know, how can we describe him? I think if we didn't have the example of Jesus and him coming to earth, we'd just have to guess about what Jesus was like. But one of the things that Jesus came to earth to do is to really show us what God is like. And Jesus, in his life, exploded all the uh, misunderstandings about who God is. And he showed us that God's not just not an impersonal force. You know, like uh, 
just a, an energy or a kind of a mysterious force in the universe. And Jesus showed us that God is not some angry tyrant who sits up in heaven waiting for uh, people to do things wrong and, and so he can just make us feel miserable. God's not some apathetic creator who, like the watchmaker, creates a watch and then leaves it and never has any interest in it again. He's someone who's interested and involved in every movement. In fact, Jesus described God in two words. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, in the Sermon on the Mount that Gail spoke on a few weeks ago, he said, this is how you should pray. In other words, this is how you should talk to God. This is how you should communicate and address the God of the universe. And he said, you should say, our Father in heaven. God wants you to think of him as a father. God wants you to think of him as a father. And this is no big deal today because we sing how deep the father's love and we talk about it together, about the fatherhood of God, that God is our father. But when Jesus said those words back you know, 2,000 years ago, it was radical stuff. The people listening must have been shocked when they heard Jesus say, when you pray, God wants you to call him Father. You know, in the whole entire Old Testament, over thousands of years, Jesus only referred to, to God, uh, sorry, God's only referred to as Father seven times in the whole Old Testament. And Jesus refers to God as Father seven times just in Matthew chapter 6 alone. In his life, in Jesus' life and the Gospels, he referred to God as being our Father over 150 times. This is how God wants us to relate to him. This is how God wants you to relate to him. It's good news uh, in one sense in that uh, God is, if God is our father, then we know that he's not just a, a power or a force. He's a person. It's very hard to relate to a force or a power, isn't it? But if he's a person, then I can actually relate to God as my father. I can speak with him. I can share intimate details with him. I can talk to a father And I can have a relationship with a father. That's the good news. The bad news is, though, that when we use the word father today, for some of you, it conjures up painful memories. For some of you, rather than being a happy term that just translates easily over to God, it's a sad term for some of you. Even an angry term. When I say the word father, some of you uh, feel deep, resentment. Some of you perhaps have been uh, abused by your father, physically or verbally abused. Or perhaps you had a father who was just a non-entity. You, you never, never really got to know him. He was someone who just wasn't there. Perhaps when you think of the word father, you think of phrases like, just wait till your father gets home, you know. And it's not a good thought to think of God like that. Um, If God is like my father, you might say, I don't want to know him. Human fathers can make things like hell on earth. Human fathers can be selfish. Human fathers can be demanding. Human fathers can be inconsistent. Human fathers can be self-centered. Human fathers can be abusive. They can be all kinds of things that we can say, I don't want that. So Jesus qualified the term. He said, this is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. He said that we're to pray to our heavenly Father. He's not just talking about um, where God is in heaven because God is everywhere. But he's talking about this quality of God, that he's a heavenly father as opposed to an 
earthly father. God is very, very different from yours and my human fathers. In the first place, God's perfect. God's perfect. And none of us who are human fathers are perfect. We're imperfect. We make mistakes. We blow it. God has never blown it. He's unlike us. He's at a higher plane. He's, he's perfect. So we say our Father in heaven, our heavenly Father. And today we're just going to look at what God says about himself in the Bible as a Father. We're going to look at the Bible, which is the truth from God. And the Bible actually says it's the truth that will set you free. And the Bible says that God is very, very different from what you might have heard in the media or in books or what you might have understood him to be. So what does the Bible say God is really like? What kind of father is God? Well, this Father's Day, it would be good to find out what kind of father God is. The first thing I think that the Bible says about God as our father is that God is a caring father. So we'll just thank you, Doug. What a great dad you are, Doug. <laughs> God is a caring father. Uh, he's compassionate. He's loving. He's gracious. And he actually cares about you. In fact, he loves you more than you will ever know. He loves you more than you can comprehend. He loves you more than you'll be able to experience. Uh, you can't even understand how much God loves you because your brain just isn't big enough to grasp how much he loves you. But compassion is actually God's number one uh, characteristic, his, his attribute of love. The Bible tells us in Psalm 103, verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. God is compassionate. God is a God of love. You know, there's a story in the Bible where the disciples are following Jesus and they're on the lake and a storm comes up and it's a busy storm. There's lightning, there's thunder, there's everything going on. And the disciples are thinking, what's going to happen? Are we going to die and all of this? Anyone remember where Jesus was? He was asleep in the boat. And, and you know, they're, they're thinking, water's coming in. We're going to die. We're going to die. And then they come and they talk to Jesus and they wake him up and they shake him and they say, Lord, don't you care that we're dying? Don't you care that we're perishing? That's one of the most profoundest questions, isn't it, that we can ask God. God, do you care about my problems? Do you care about my hurts? Do you care about the things I'm going through, the stresses I'm feeling, the worries I'm experiencing? God, do you care about what's happening to me? You know, and until you settle that issue, you're not going to make God your father. You're not going to come before him. If you think he doesn't care, why would you spend time getting to know him? If God doesn't care about the details of your life, why get to know him? But the answer is that he does care. He says many, many times in the Bible uh, that he cares. One place that he says that is in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Here he says, cast all your anxiety upon him. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. So it's still not working there, Doug. I don't know what's going on. Maybe I'll just drop it, hey? Oh, great. Thank you. Um, but this is what it says. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares upon you. Uh, uh, cast all your cares upon him. You know, that means every kind of anxiety that you can ever have. Does that mean that you can cast upon him your spiritual, just your spiritual sounding problems that God, you think God might be interested in? Well, it's not just that. 
It's more. Does it mean that you can uh, cast upon him, you know, um, different problems that you face up, just some of the problems? No, God says all, cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Financial, physical, relational, social, spiritual, mental, all those problems. He, he wants them. Why? Because he cares for you. Does God care about your house payments? Rising interest rates? Yes, he does. Does God care about the fact that your kids need braces? Yes, he does. Does God care about the marks that you, uh, you get at school? Yes. Does God care about whether you have a boyfriend? Yes. About your financial investments? Yes. Does he care about your dreams, your hopes, your life? Yes, he does. In fact, the Bible says that God knows every, even the numbers of hairs that are on your head and some of you, there's less to count than others. <laughs> God knows the number of hairs that are on your head, and he knows what they are in their original colours. <laughs> <laughs> Only God and your hairdresser know that. <laughs> but the truth is that he does care about you, and he knows all every detail of your life. He even knows... You know, the parts of you that no one sees, where you have a birthmark. He knows all those kind of things as well. What the Bible says, because of this, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. For the pagans run after all those things. And it says, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. That's Matthew 6, 31 to 32. So because God cares and God tells us not to worry because God already knows what you need and he's going to look after you. Do you know, um, he says, what are you worried about? Uh, as a father, um, I really try and make sure my kids have what they need in life to get by. And if my kids came to me and they said, Dad, look, we're really worried about what we're going to have for tea and whether we've got enough clothes to wear tomorrow. I'd be worried. I'd be feeling like I hadn't been a good father to them, you know, and I feel like uh, that would make me, because I'm really, I really want to care for their needs. I want to make sure they've got enough food to eat, enough clothes to wear, enough things for their, for their life. And I'd feel like I hadn't been a good father if I couldn't provide for those things. And you know what? Um, God cares about that. Is that working there? No, that's great. Thank you, mate. Great. So what, what it means is that because if I care for them, do you know, and I'm, a, I'm not an imperfect father, then if God, the father of the heavens and earth, cares about you, then he's able to take care of all the things that you need. So you, that means you can keep, quit worrying. You don't need to worry because he understands. A lot of people get stressed and panicked today, don't they? They get all tired and weary and they think, oh, God, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going on. I'm worried. I'm tired. I'm nervous. Really, worry comes from saying, I know that my God can't handle it. Uh, he, he's not going to care for me. He's not going to provide what I need. And some people think, oh, I'm so worried. The problem is I don't love God enough. It's not the problem. You don't realise how much God loves you. That's the problem. Because if you, you understand how much he loves you and how much he is your father, he wants to care for you and provide the things you need, then you would stop worrying. God loves you. He's a caring father. You know, the second thing is that God's a close father. That means he's available all the time. He's there when you need him. He's not distant. He's not far off. The Bible tells us in Acts 17, 27, God did this so that people would reach out for him and find him since he is not far from each of us. God wants you to find him. He wants you to get to know him. God wants you to have a relationship with him in a way that is close. God wants you to know him. He wants to be a close father. Some of you have had absentee fathers. They're never around. They're always doing something really busy, really important, but they weren't around. Maybe a business deal, maybe out with 
uh, other guys, maybe out doing stuff, but perhaps they was always distant or aloof to you. Maybe always behind a, a newspaper. These guys left their newspapers, isn't that? There you go, good fathers. Um, uh, do you know, um, one of the things that has happened today is with the pressure on so many families uh, to feeling like we have to live at a certain standard has meant often both husband and wife with young kids go out to work and often what happens is the number of hours spent with children is reduced so that other people can care for the kids. And, you know, it, because of the way in which we live, often kids have less time with their parents, less time, less time with their father. And, you know, I think um, one of the, the things is, the, the dangers of this is that we might bring up kids that really don't know us. And I think you, you might say, yeah, but Jonathan, we've got to make ends meet. And I just think, lower the ends, you know. Um, maybe you don't uh, need to have as nice a place or maybe you don't need to live at such a standard if you're going to have to make your kids pay for that by you being absent, you know. Um, you've only got your kids for 18 years at most, you know, from naught to 18 maybe. You might have them for longer than that. But <laughs> at, at, at least that at home. Don't, don't leave that time to, to somebody else. Don't be aloof during that time. Your heavenly father is someone who's close to you, who wants to know you personally, and fathers, parents, uh, you know, make the most of the time that you have with them. You know, the, the good news is that God is never too busy for me. He he's never says, I've just got too many things on today, I can't be with you. you know, he, he never says that. He, he, he says, I'll be with you all the time. I'm ready for you to just speak to me. When you call upon me, I will answer. The, the second thing is God loves to meet my needs. You know, in Matthew uh, 7, 11, he says, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Uh, he, he wants to give good gifts to you. And God loves to meet your needs and my needs. You know, uh, this is what Paul said when he said in Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory with Christ Jesus. And the third thing is God is sympathetic to my needs. Because God is a, a close father, he's never too busy for me. He loves to meet my needs and he's sympathetic to my hurts. Uh, you know, sometimes God never, he never says to us, oh, come on, get over that one. You know, don't waste your time praying to me over that little matter. You know, if you've had a really tough week, God wants to hear about it. You know, this week I was with, uh, with Alex and she fell down off the monkey bars and, you know, she really winded herself. And Alex is quite a, you know, she lets people know when she's hurt, you know. <laughs> And I remember for about 300 metres all around or maybe a couple of kilometres could be heard the cry. And, you know, for me, I was going, oh, honey, it's all right. You poor thing, shh, shh, shh. Poor thing, shh. Come on, shh. I'm trying to show compassion while saying, please, you're not dying. You know, it's going to be all right. But, you know, God, God's always wanting to hear. He's wanting to hear our, our um, concerns. He's a sympathetic God. He loves to hear our hurts. And some of you this morning, no doubt, have come here today with, with hearts that are breaking. I mean, there's things that are just going on in your life which are so painful. And you wonder whether God cares about that. Well, God shows over and over again that he does. He's sympathetic to your hurts and he wants to help you. You see, Psalm 34 and verse 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saved those who are crushed in spirit. He wants to be close to you today. You know, uh, the word that Jesus used for father in Aramaic is the word Abba. It's not a Swedish rock group, you know. <laughs> Mamma mia. No, this, this word is uh, the first word that young children 
use in the Middle East. It's the first word that they uh, learn. It means daddy. It means uh, papa, mama, dada, abba, abba is the word they use. It's the very first word that are on the mouths of children. I'm told if you walk through the streets in the Middle Middle East, uh, you can hear little kids calling it out, Abba, Abba, uh, Daddy. You know, uh, one of the things I love to hear is my two girls say, Daddy, Daddy, because it shows to me that they, uh, they, they acknowledge me as they, their dad and they just call me Daddy in a, in a nice way. You know, I've sometimes been at parties and you hear kids go, Daddy, and I can't help but turn, even though it's not my kids. And I think, oh, you know, it's because you want to respond to someone calling you daddy. And, you know, wouldn't it be funny if I went home today and they said, uh, you know, my kids came to me and they said, uh, oh, thou most holy procreator of the Stark family. (laughs) 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 Thou who sovereignly bestoweth our... uh, uh, pocket money on us every week. <laughs> we beseech thee bountifully. You know, like if they talk like that, it would be silly, wouldn't it? And I'd just say, kids, just what do you want? Tell me. Come on, let's talk. Because I love to say, yeah, it's time now. You can go and play a little bit more on the computer. Or you can go outside and, yeah, well, let's play together. Let's have a game. And that's how God says, I want you to call me daddy. I want you to call me Abba. Because I want to be a God that is close, a close father to you. Final thing, God is a a competent father. He can handle any problem you give him. Nothing is beyond his ability. Nothing is beyond his resources. Nothing is beyond his power to help. Today, this principle, God is a competent father, a God who can do anything, is completely the opposite to what human fathers are. We have, we fail. But even in our society, what we see is so many more and more fathers um, being poor fathers. You know, people being, fathers being great at doing things at work, high achievers, you know, that can stand proud on their achievements. But as a father, you know, Really, really not so good. And uh, I think what we, what we see is there are fathers that can achieve everything in so many areas, but in being a good father to their kids, it's really hard. But you know what? When it comes to God, our heavenly father, oh, he can do anything. There's nothing that's impossible for him. Look what it says in Luke 137, for nothing is impossible with God. That's nothing at all. You know, my kids sometimes think I can do anything. They do. Uh, We've got this, uh, like, um, Cinderella little coach, and it's got little wheels on, and the wheels keep falling off, and they just bring it back broken every time and expect me to fix it in a matter of moments and put it back together new. We have to glue, I have to spend hours trying to, and I've given up because I can't fix it. Just to tell them that I can't fix it, you know, and try to explain that I can't, you know. They think I'm Superman, the kids, you know. But it's true, you probably thought that your dads were supermen when you were growing up. But as you grew up, you started to realise that they weren't as great as what you thought they were. You know, that there was a limit to their pocket money, that there was a limit to their wisdom. You know, that sometimes you look back and realise they were just making it up as they went along <laughs> and doing the best that they could. The, the good news is, when it comes to God, he's not just making it up. He can do anything. This is what it says in Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. He's able to do more than we can ask or imagine. God says, think of the biggest dream in your life. I can top that. 
Think of the biggest goal of your life. I can top that. Think of the biggest problem that you can come up against. I can solve it. Think of the, of the biggest hurt you'll ever have. I can soothe it. God says, I can handle it all. I'm your heavenly father. I'm, I'm close. I'm caring. And I'm competent. If you'll trust me, things will go a whole lot better in your life. The obvious question this morning is, is everybody a child of God? Is everybody a child of God? I mean, will God take care of everybody's needs? Is God the father of everyone? Well, the answer is yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, if you mean, did God create everybody? Yes. If you mean, does God love everybody? Yes. Absolutely. If you mean, does God have a plan and a purpose for every person on the face of this earth? The answer is yes. Yes. God is the father of everyone in that sense. But it takes more than birth to be a father. It takes a relationship. Some of you were probably birthed by men you never met. They're your father by creation, but your relationship with them, they're not your father through relationship. And you miss that. You long for that. Uh, God says, I've created everybody, but not everyone is my child unless they have a relationship with me. Unless they have a relationship with me. You're not in the family of God. You were created by God, but you're not in the family of God until you choose to become part of the family. That's a choice you have to make. It's a choice you can make today. You can say, say to me, how do I become a part of that family? How do I become a part of, of that family? How can I get to call God my heavenly father? Look at what the Bible says. Um, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, to the Heavenly Father, except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. Jesus is saying, the way to make God your Heavenly Father is through me, through trusting in Jesus. Jesus is saying, that's why I came to earth, to show you the Father, so that you can get to know God. In Galatians 3.26 it says, For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The way to become his child is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. So, you might say today, so there's two things to do, to believe in Jesus Christ and to receive him as your saviour. Some of you might say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God and Jesus. I believe who he was and, and I say, congratulations. That's great. But you're halfway there. It takes more than just believing in Jesus to be in God's family. You must believe and receive. You must ask him into your life and say, God, now you call the shots. You have your way. You be the one that's my, my boss, my father, my leader, my, the one who's determining my life. And that's a decision that you make. Fathers, if you haven't made God your heavenly father, that's the best thing that you can do for your kids to give your life to Jesus and to make him your father, God, your father, your, and Jesus, your Lord and saviour. That's the best thing that you can do. Live your life humbly, trusting in God and living for him. And if you're a father and if you're a mother too, the greatest thing that you can do for your children is to help introduce them to Jesus. Help introduce them to their heavenly father 
through Jesus Christ. That's the greatest thing you can ever do uh, for them in life. You can teach them to play tennis. You know, you can teach them to, to do hockey or soccer or be great at school. You can read to them every night so they're great and they get a great education later on and go in and they can even become great earners and famous and all that. But if you haven't introduced them to the one who will help them to go to heaven when they die, to be able to live eternally with him, then as a parent, you've missed out on what I think is the most important thing in life in passing on to them. You might say, it's a little late. My kids have already grown up. Well, you could still talk to them and ask them. You could still call them today. It's never too late while they're still alive. So today, let me ask you, an important question. Are you as parents making it harder or easier for your kids to come to know God? And by the way you live your lifestyle, are you modelling what it means to have your heavenly Father as your God? As we finish today, I'm just going to, uh, again, thank, we're going to pray together and we're going to thank God for being our heavenly Father. And just say a, a simple prayer too, which says, Dear God, I want you to be my heavenly Father. I want you I want to be your child. I ask you to adopt me into your home. I want to be spiritually born into your family through Jesus Christ. And I pray that prayer. And if you want to pray that today to make God your heavenly father through Jesus Christ, you can do that. And as we leave today, I'm going to pray too that you would make the most of every opportunity to help lead your kids to make God their heavenly father through Jesus Christ. Let's pray, shall we? God, this morning we want to thank you for fathers and thank you for our fathers. And God, we thank you this morning that uh, even though our fathers were uh, failed and made many mistakes, that God, you this morning have reminded us that you want to be our Heavenly Father, our perfect Heavenly Father. And God, we just thank you for doing everything possible that we can have you as our Heavenly Father. And if that's you this morning, why don't you just say as we pray right as we are these words, why don't you just say, Dear God, I want you to be my Heavenly Father. I want to be your child. I ask you to adopt me into your home. I want to be spiritually born into your family through Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you for those this morning that have asked you to be the Heavenly Father. And we pray that as we go today that you will help us to be those that pray for our children, that look for opportunities to help them to understand that you want to be their Heavenly Father. And we pray that our kids would come to know you, Lord Jesus, as their Lord and Saviour. This Father's Day, we want to say thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Father, for loving us and wanting to have us in your family. In Jesus' name, Amen. Just in the moments remaining, we'd love you to take this card out. It's in the news sheet. And uh, on the front, just name and address details. And on the back is uh, some responses you can make. I'm receiving Jesus into my life for the first time. If you'd like to tick that one, that's great. If you want to join a small group, if you want to uh, ask for some prayer requests, you could do that now. We'd love everybody if you can. You don't have to, but it would be great if you could fill out these in the next few moments. Let's do that together.